This is the soundtrack series. This is the soundtrack series. I'm Dana Rossi. On today's episode, filmmaker Michael Feld made a video of himself visiting every city that Huey Lewis mentions in the heart of rock and roll. So hell yeah, I get on Skype and talk to him about it. And I find out every little detail that goes into doing something like that. Following one song all around the country just to check rock and roll's pulse in every city. If you love a song enough, oh, the places you'll go. Some of the comments include, but are not limited to, a ginger hipster terrorizing New Yorkers. Ginger hipsters are very effective in quelling an upset stomach. More importantly, he was looking for page views and a book deal. He's uniting the world one desperate, attention-seeking stunt at a time. And then... Uh, Man equals rich white dickhead. That's what it was. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then... And then someone wrote, how do you know he's a rich and a, he's rich and a dickhead? I don't think many dickheads are also Huey Lewis and the news fans. And then someone else chimed in and said, why not? See, this is part of why I saw this and, and really wanted to talk to you was because what you're doing is just so clearly because you loved Huey Lewis. Yeah. And people have a problem with... I don't what it is they think is cool or is okay to think is cool and what's not okay to think yeah. is cool. Like the whole thing that was going on a couple of months ago about like, well, Phil Collins is going to make a comeback and then people trying to actively prevent that from happening. That is everything that makes me angry about music culture and that part of music culture of like, you know, well, the, the 10 worst bands, the 15 yeah. worst artists of the... 80s or or whatever else, instead of, you know, just being excited to be geeky or super into a particular band or a song or whatever it is. And so that's why when I saw this, I thought, you know what? I'm sure people think it's not cool to like Huey Lewis and this guy doesn't give a shit. And that's awesome. You know, it's it's interesting because like um, this film and then kind of goes hand in hand with the my next one that I'll be releasing, which kind of like centers around what you're talking about. So I decided to go to um, a city in Russia called Nishni Novgorod and go see Limp Bizkit out there in November. Oh, wow. And so I shot a documentary. I've always kind of pitched it as about going to a country nobody likes to see a band nobody likes. And I am a huge fan of Fish. I've seen them about 30 times. And the last six months of my life musically have revolved around Fish, Huey Lewis, and Limp Biscuit, And I think that like all three of those are very like off-putting to a large majority of people. Too bad. Yeah. And I think that what I what I love about them so much and what I loved about making the Huey Lewis video and much more so with the Russia and the Limp Biscuit one was seeing that like even though, you know, they're kind of like l- like Limp Biscuit especially looked at under this light as like, oh gross, or they suck. Like I was able to go somewhere crazy and have like a find a lot of good in that concert and that concert experience yeah. which reminded me a lot of like why I used to go see that band and bands like that 
The story goes that, you know, it was it was always my karaoke song. The <laughs> karaoke song kind of turned into an, an interpretive dance where I wasn't really I would never look at the screen. And then one night when I was doing karaoke, I was just like, what a weird, eclectic list of places. And I started kind of looking into um, the distance apart and like if there was anything in my life that was going on um, around some of those cities. And when there was something going on in, like, say, New York, I would go to New York, film the New York part, and then figure out a way to get to some cities that are close to New York. And then I'd come back, and then I had to be in Austin in uh, the next month. So I'd go to Austin, and I'd figure out a way to get to San Antonio and Tulsa, Oklahoma City. And then I'd figure out a time and a place I needed to be in Seattle. And I would shoot Seattle. And then so it was kind of like piece by piece I was able to map out you know, individually, how to get to all those places. That was that was one of the most fun things about it was figuring that out. That was a really enjoyable part. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Really, whenever I could get a chance to bribe somebody with dinner and beer to go out and just take me running around just being crazy, um, I would do it. And there was a lot of stuff that we tried that didn't work. Oh, yeah, like what? So the big way that I wanted to go about it in the first place was I wanted to go – I had reached out to all these bands that I loved that were from these cities that I wanted to use to be in it, that I wanted to kind of like show – they represented that city to me or like, you know, cause the song's message is that the heart of rock and roll is still beating. So I thought it'd be great if we saw different rock and roll bands that I liked that were from these cities. Oh. So like the flaming lips in Tulsa or Gary Clark jr. In Austin or strand of Oaks in Philadelphia or even Guster in Boston, like all these different bands that I really wanted to use in the video when the majority of their managers didn't get back to me because it was a Huey Lewis video and I'm, I didn't have any really any money to offer them. It's just kind of a, a lark. I kind of had to change plans and just be like, all right, how, we maybe need to turn this more to the karaoke side of things. And then um, I shot all the choruses at live music venues inside venues while bands were playing. The difficult part with that was the footage was so dark, and although I had heard the song hundreds of times, it just it never really worked being inside the venues. So what I decided to do instead, after kind of going through that, is change the the idea for the chorus, where I would be at a different karaoke bar, back at a different karaoke bar for the chorus, and that was kind of like the last piece, where figuring out the choruses and figuring out like what I needed to do to kind of tie it all together. decide in each city where specifically to go within each city to find you know if the heart of rock and roll was still beating you know the thing that i kind of tried to do as well was like i looked up a ton of like local independent music shops 
and a ton of like venues and a ton of places that kind of represent music to me in that city. And the problem just kind of became when they go by so fast, you can't really tell what you're looking at. So a lot of times if it was like just like a famous record store in Philadelphia or like a famous venue in Philadelphia, it just didn't really, it, it didn't, it, it didn't establish that that was actually the place. That it was actually um, Philly, you mean? Yeah, right. exactly. So I just kind of, when I started going to a lot of these cities, I was like, all right, what without question would, would be like, oh, I know that's Philadelphia or I know that's Boston. And the other thing too that I tried really hard not to fall into was I didn't want to just use sporting arenas oh, or like yeah. stadiums. Like I think it just it didn't have anything to do with the theme of the piece or the song. You know, the skylines didn't really work. Because they're not always recognizable. I mean, I would recognize Phillies because I lived there. Yeah. But you know, I don't know how many people would be well, there's Liberty Place. That's yeah. yeah. And and it also just kind of like goes by so fast that it's kind of like it's hard to kind of just like take it all in but i think that what ended up being cool was like after you hear all the places at the end it's kind of like a blooper reel where you see i'm back in all this place and it's like oh it was you know it was the uh baton rouge it was their stadium or you know if like for example in tulsa there was just nothing and so it was just like i got there and i was like i think a f- this empty field with oil rigs is going to be the best thing that represents this and but there's a couple of them that are in there there's the continental club in austin i noticed that one too yeah um and it was pouring rain that day it was pouring rain and then one of the ones that not a lot of people know but is i really liked is the really colorful building in oklahoma city is the flaming lips headquarters oh so i had gone out there and i really wanted to get wayne involved and he wasn't in Oklahoma City at the time, but I was lucky enough to sit down with their manager who just kind of like I explained the idea to. He's like, well, there's really no one here that can help you, but like we can we can get, we'll give you a T-shirt of Wayne with his face on it and we'll send you to their headquarters if you want. And so so, yeah, that'll that'll do just fine. Another thing that I had done a couple times was I wore a lot of T-shirts of bands that were in those cities. So in Boston, I had an Aerosmith shirt on. In Philly, I had a Strand of Oak shirt on. I have like a whole list of like all the people from all the different cities, like Minor Threat in D.C. Yeah. I definitely had that shirt on. Um, but I had, I had found myself spending so much time like tracking down and trying to find t-shirts of these bands before I was supposed to leave that I was like, I don't even know where I'm going. Like, I don't even know like how I'm getting from place to place. And I'm, cause I'm just too busy trying to find the right, you know, the sword t-shirt from Austin. But it was very important to me that I wore an Ozzy Osbourne t-shirt at the Alamo because, uh, Ozzy was banned from the state of Did Texas for life. on it? Yeah, for being yeah. on the Alamo. And I thought is in a passive, you know, in a passive way I would stand with Ozzy by wearing a No More Tears t-shirt, which nobody recognized. Nobody at the Alamo recognized it. Nobody watching it recognized it, but um I was I put my fist up in solidarity and I was with Ozzy there. They're too busy at the Alamo fielding questions of people for the last 30 years about yes. where the basement is. Yeah. That 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 was one of those cities that it was just like I I shot at the Alamo and I was like all right I got to get out of here as fast as I can. Why? Um, 
it just it was i i had just come from austin and so i was like exposed to all this like amazing culture and color and then i drove down to san antonio in the pouring rain and i got to san antonio and it was just like it was raining outside i was so exhausted from a couple days in austin and i was just like I'm I'm not there's I the history is not a top priority right now. Poor San Antonio. I my friend is from Texas and he'd lived in a few places in Texas but one was San Antonio but then he would go into Austin, you know, to like he was young, you know, like a teenager. And uh I guess cuz there was the there's the big keep Austin weird thing, yeah. you know, that and then like San Antonio came back in a tongue in cheek way of like keep San Antonio lame. Oh really? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. That's a well. They sure accomplished that goal. Um, it seems like they're keeping it pretty lame. <laughs> um, they're doing a good job. Righteous. I was like, oh, I could go to the River Walk, and then I was like, I don't want to go to the River Rock. So I think I ended up like sitting in my rental car and listening to a podcast about Game of Thrones during my day in San Antonio. And that was like the crazy thing about like that I would kind of curse Huey Lewis's name sometimes where I'd just be like, why did you have to send me to Baton Rouge? Like, why couldn't you have said Chicago or, or Santa Nashville? Because that yeah. sounds sort of I mean, cause Santa Cruz is very pretty. But yeah, Nashville. I was going to ask why that that is not in that song. Yeah. And the the funniest part about um, about the song when he released it 30 years ago they did this great radio promotion where what he did was like at the end where it's kind of like the saxophone solo, he shouts out Cleveland and Detroit. Yeah. And so what they did was they got rid of that and they had him cut like dozens of versions of it where he would say local market city names. So there are people out there who are like, I'm positive he says Kansas City. And there's people who swear that he says you know, San Diego, or he says like all these little markets that he, that they were like pushing the song out. Cause he did. Yeah. That was one of the, the comments I saw today was like, some guy was like, how come he didn't go to Syracuse? Like he definitely says Syracuse in that song. And I tried real hard to find other versions of the song that maybe said some other cities, but it seemed that like, uh, Cleveland and, uh, and Detroit were the last two because, um, the original song was supposed to just be about Cleveland. Yeah, I I I read that today too because I was just like, all right, now I'm now I'm down the rabbit hole, like clicking through all about Huey Lewis, and I read that it was supposed to be the heart of rock and roll, heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland. Yeah, because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was there. So yeah, and and then I think they realized that you couldn't really write much of an interesting song around Cleveland. Um, they did for the Drew Carey. Oh, that's theme. right. In like 1997, like Cleveland Rocks, I think it was. Yeah, the presidents of the United States. It's funny because like some of my favorite memories were in the cities that I was like, why do I have to go there? And, you know, like Baton Rouge, Cleveland. I would say Oklahoma City and Philadelphia. I mean, I had the most fun in those cities, and I never in a million years thought I would. 
Yeah, no, Philly, I actually, I lived in Philly for seven years, like the late 90s, early aughts. And I was going to ask, because I saw that you uh, you were at the top of the, the steps of the art museum. And yes. it was like, you're doing a little dance there. I didn't know if that was like a nod to Rocky. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. good on you that you did it at the art museum, because I have seen people put their hands up and everything on the steps of the Franklin Institute. Yeah, my, my friend came down from New York that day. And our plan was to like walk all over Philly and see a bunch of sites. And then we just turned that into let's just go eat as many cheesesteaks as we can. So we walked and we would split them. So we walked to five different cheesesteak places. And by like four or five o'clock, I was like, we're, we were supposed to film. And we've just been walking around eating cheesesteaks all day. Oh, like, like, Did you go to Gino's, should... Pat's? Gyms. No, we didn't do those two. We had heard there was a whole list of other ones. We we walked probably like five or six miles around Philly that day. Oh, I bet. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Did you try at all? Because that was the thing, as I saw you at the art museum and then like in other cities, you know, uh, interacting with people and everything. Did you try to go and film yourself interacting with the costumed colonial people in historic Philadelphia? You know, I didn't. I think that kind of the thing that I, I found as filming went on because like my initial plan is like do a couple cities, go back and look at the footage and see how it looks like if I'm if I have enough stuff to shoot. And I started with D.C., Philly and New York. And then as I kind of kept going and f- filming more stuff, I think I was just kind of like unsure of what this was going to be and what it was going to be like. And pretty much like everything where I'm interacting with other people, there were more and more other people as it got going. I think I just got comfortable being in front of the camera. I got comfortable singing the song. I got comfortable. I just got used to doing it all the time in all these cities. Yeah. And I found that like, oh, like for a majority of these cities, it's not like LA or New York where you're inconveniencing people by doing this. And they're just like, who's this asshole dancing on the street? Like in a lot of these cities, people thought it was great and they thought it was really cool and they really liked it and they were interested in being involved in it. You know, that's it, it's something looking back on it that I wish I had more of was a lot more other people involved in it. Yeah. No, I only asked because I had worked a couple of summers as one of those costume colonial people. And I was like, mm. if he asked them, they said no, because there were so many rules about like how they could be filmed and photographed and talked about or who could talk to the press. Like it was really... Yeah, we went to the Liberty Bell and we saw the line and we were just like, no, thank you. Like the Uh, Rocky Stairs will do. No, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, No, that's really cool, though, that like in a lot of places that aren't like the like New York or whatever, that people were really into it and really thought what you were doing was cool. And even as they learned that this was about Huey Lewis. Yeah, I mean, they just it was funny. Like, that's the thing that I think, you know, because I kind of came up with the idea in February or March. So it's taken about, it took about a year to make it. And then I went to my first city, like in the first week of May and shot my last stuff, um, right around Halloween. So it was, you know, about a six month process of filming it. And I think that the thing that kind of like kept me going and kept it interesting to me is like, whenever I would get ready to go out and do it, I would tell someone like, Oh yeah, I'm going to the, X place. You know, why are you going there? Like, oh, I'm making this film. We're going to every city Huey Lewis mentions uh, in the song, The Heart of Rock and Roll. And the best part about it was like whether I was talking to someone at a bar at an airport before leaving on a trip 
or if I was like checking into a hotel or if I was in a car with a Lyft driver, like everyone just got a smile on their face when they heard that. Yeah. And I think it was like, that was what made me kind of want to do it and keep going. Even when it was just kind of like, oh, I'm so tired of the song. I'm so tired of like traveling for this, but it was just like equal parts kind of people thinking that there was a crazy idea, but people also thinking it was charming because they have, they, I feel like they have good memories of Huey Lewis in the news. And, you know, he's not, he's not like, you know, I don't think he, it's a band that can really, that rubs people the wrong way, really. Um, you know, I think American Psycho kind of put this spin on them of like, you know, for that scene where he puts sports on and plays hit to be square and, you know, kills that guy. Right. But it, it seemed to me that like everybody from, you know, my age to older thought it was, thought it, it was, it was a funny idea just because of all bands, it was Huey Lewis in the news. Huey Lewis has found a way somehow to stay relevant in a kind of like a nostalgic, but it's still fun way. Yeah. Like he was opening for Jimmy Buffett at Barclays on New Year's. He's kind of like diet Jimmy Buffett in a way. Um, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, like let's just toss some Huey Lewis on. And it'll be a party. And I think that's why I, I started doing the song at karaoke. It's because like I never was like really into Huey Lewis in the news. Like my dad used to listen to him a bunch and I knew him as like the Back to the Future song. And, but then like I started like putting it on at a party like, oh, let's just put sports on or like let's put four on. And, and I just kind of was like, this is like this music always just makes me happy. It's usually about like working for a living or like something. It's like a positive but not cheesy message that he exudes and it always just made me feel like I was in a, a good mood. Yeah, but it's also, I think, probably tapping into your memory and taking you back to specific places or just feelings that you had at a certain time. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. What about the, uh, I wanted to ask you this too, because I, I saw you talk about this and then I saw it in the video, the woman with the repent sign. Yeah. That was here um, in New York, wasn't it? That was in New York. And uh, pretty much what had happened was my friend Thomas and I had filmed um, all day for two days in New York. And then I went back and looked at some of the footage and I was like, oh, I really like how we shot the stuff in Times Square, but I think it'd be really cool with all the lights there if we went back and we reshot just Times Square at night and we went back on my last like I think I was on my way to the airport right at, uh, like before I shot that and we just stopped real quick and just filmed Times Square again and she was just there and me kind of just being a troublemaker ran up to her playing it and she just reacted completely differently than I thought and she just had this smile on her face and she's like oh you're so funny and she danced along with me. And it's like, I see people like that on the street and I just like scoff at them and are just like, oh, how dare you or whatever. Yeah, but and what would it be like to actually just go up and try to have a good time with that person? Yeah. And, I, you know, I feel like I ran up to her kind of with the intention of mocking her. And then when I got up there and saw how she was just like laughing because of just what I was doing and just like playing the song and like you know, everything I was doing was harmless. 
it just kind of like that barrier of like you're you know of our, our our different agendas was down and we just both had a good laugh and i ran away you know the only thing is i just hope she doesn't find me and sue me now because her church is upset that she's part of the Huey Lewis video. Oh no! Maybe she didn't sign a release. <laughs> no, no, no one signed any releases. This was oh. like, Uh-oh. yeah, this was like that was like those were questions too, where it was just like no releases signed. People would be like, "Does Huey Lewis in the news know about this?" And I was just like, "Nah, not yet, like, <laughs> not yet." <laughs> no, I was like, "I'm just gonna put it out." Like, you know, I'm not gonna try to make any money off of it. No ads on it or anything. And luckily. They got wind of it before I put it out. Um, they did? And, yeah, they did. I just kind of went out on a limb and sent it to their general, like, info at HueyLewis.com on Sunday night, never really thinking I'd hear back from them. And I heard back, and they were like, uh, they're like, we love this. The band saw it. The band loves it. Um, can we put it out on our social media? Oh, my God. And I was like, number one, that answers the, is Huey Lewis in the news going to sue me question? Nope. And number two, absolutely. And I also always kind of thought in the back of my head, like, if there's anything that is the reason for me not releasing this, it's that, like, I had a cease and desist from Huey Lewis in the news. I would frame that cease and desist and be very happy calling it a day. Um, Yeah. Like, I couldn't think of a better end to that story. You and Ray Parker Jr. Yeah, exactly. And he got a lot more from him. Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, too, is, like, I knew – as I was going and as I was doing it, I was just like, this isn't going to be something that will be bad for them. If, if it and it looks good and it's done well, like it's only going to help them. It's only going to be a cool thing for them to have, yeah. you know, for social media or for to get passed around on the Internet. And you're not and making fun of them. It's so no. clear that it's just a I'm going out and doing this thing because I want to and I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, like while I was out filming all of it, like, you know, I was listening to Huey Lewis in the news when I was out there, even like the songs, you know, that his later stuff. And I would just like drive around these cities that I'd never been to and just listen to his records, you know, just over and over and over again to just Did you hear like, them differently uh, when you were doing this kind of project. Yeah. Like the best, like I was in Oklahoma city and just like everything was going wrong. Like I'd missed my flight I was like, I almost had to sleep at an airport. I lost my Airbnb. I had to pay like all this money for a hotel. I didn't want to stay in. Like the weather was terrible. It was just like everything that could be going wrong was going wrong. And I was very upset with Huey Lewis at the time. I feel like I took it all like I blamed him for a lot of these things at times too. I was going to say, it sounds to me like you had this relationship with him on the road where only you were present yeah that's, and the and ups it, and downs of that of like traveling with someone like that but it yeah. was just you because he was always my constant travel partner because like at times like someone filming would be the uh a lift driver who's going to louisiana state who is just like working on the side for a little money would stand there and film me, you know, stay next to the camera and make sure no one stole it. Or it would be my best friend from high school who was living in Boston now. And so it's like all these different people came in and out in the experience, but it was just like the whole time, it was just like me and Huey Lewis, even to the point where like in Oklahoma City, he has a song called Stuck With You. And I just like woke up and I was just like, oh, I'm so tired of this song. I'm so tired of this idea. I'm so tired of like being on the road and like, I started listening to that song and I was like, this is like, it just made me feel a lot better. Like I related to it in a way that like, I was like, oh, this could kind of, this, this song's about me and Huey. 
All right, so uh, one song. The song is Wild Side by Motley Crue. It's like a pretty aggressive song, and it's like, it's like has a really dark tone, and it's all about like, you know, life on the wild side. And it was written during like Nikki Six's darkest drug phase when a baby cries, a cop dies, a day is paid on the wild side. It's like, yeah. And it was about like the things he would see, like going to, to buy drugs. It was just like, I loved the song. Like, I just thought like the guitar and the drums were so great. And my parents, for some reason, decided that would be an appropriate first cassette for me to have when I was eight years old. I remember I put it on. And keep in mind, these are parents that later took away uh, Smash Mouth's Fu Manchu CD from me because it was parental advisory. Somehow, Wild Side, you know, Girls, Girls, Girls was just fine in the Feld household, but Smash Mouth. And I really have to thank them for that, for taking that away from me, but letting me have Motley Crue. But um, Vince Neil goes, kick your ass on the wild side. And then like all these like like sirens come in and stuff and it's like very like bottles are being broken and people are screaming it's like a very good production but i remember like putting the tape in and like walking around with my walkman and listening to that song and just like hearing kicking ass on the wild side just be like oh my god like this is the first piece of like music that i've ever consumed that i've like heard swear words in and i was just like do my parents know like do I tell them like, hey, you guys might want to take a listen to this and then they would have taken away, but I didn't tell them. And so like every time I hear Wildside and I hear at the end of that song, I just think of like me walking around my backyard smirking and just being like, I know something my parents don't know. Like I got one past you. And if only they had known the the themes and the other subject matter on that album, they they sure would have regretted getting that for me. For real. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Mike Feld, filmmaker, the man behind the heart of rock and roll, but not Huey Lewis, the other man behind that. This has been the Soundtrack Series. Thanks for listening.